Vital Educators podcast is hosted by self-development coach, investor, and renowned educator, Ahmed Saqib. Ahmed will speak to fellow educators, young professionals, ordinary people like you and me about their life choices that allowed them to become successful in their careers. He will also delve deeper into the psychology and their perception of success, the good, bad, and the ugly. For young students, he will discuss techniques to help you with your learning and development. Ahmed is committed to helping you determine what you want to do in life. He will share his own life experiences of self-discovery and self-realization that has led him to launch this venture. So this podcast is for anyone who wants to know more about various paths to becoming successful in any profession or passion. Hi guys, Ahmed here from Vital Educators. So today I have a very dynamic and interesting individual who have joined me on the podcast. She's also from the education industry and her name is Irina. Irina, how's it going? You're right. Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. This is a very dear, you know, topic to my heart and I'm very excited. Let's talk about it. Awesome. So today's topic of discussion that um, you and I have decided that would be a good idea to address is the dynamics of the education industry today and what can we do to influence a permanent change in this industry. So what kind of problems do you normally see with the education system that we are currently, what we currently have today? Mm-hmm. See, um, I think education, uh, educational system is just a part of the whole system, right? And it's mm-hmm. um, I, I I like this idea of approaching the the society as a as a whole entity, and we have different mm-hmm. organs that obviously need to work together, and you cannot have educational system working in a silo. So obviously they feed each other, they they support each other, they they work, they, they're coordinated more or less, right? So. Um, Looking at that, if you if you have just a quick look of what's happening in the world today, and you see issues and and I don't know maybe even a crisis or more, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you probably can understand that part of that would be reflected in your educational system, and and it's not even fair to point at one like one country because obviously there are differences. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, everywhere there must be something that you know we need to fix everywhere there's something that's Mm. causing it because people who are creating the um, the problems we we have to deal with today in the world um, are people who have been educated in this system and we know that you know born as babies we are free minds we don't even understand what's not good let's let's put it that way we don't understand Mm. categories we just feel free to think everything and then something happens, we are shaped into these people who later on created this type of, of issues. So again, looking at what we have in the world today, uh, the problems I would think are very much related to conflict. Mm. Um, conflict and then because if, if you if you if you even watch, you know what what's bothering you and it could be micro or macro, mm. um, that's pretty much in the area of, of, of conflict. Hmm. That's what's yeah. going to make you feel off, right? Absolutely. So how do we address this issue hmm. inherently? How do we, how, do we, how do we solve this conflict? 
any sort of micro or micro yeah it starts from um, every single person but you know the, the the educational system does not even look into that part of our human being mm. um and here it, it depends on you know which part of the the world you look at but honestly it's not very much addressed anywhere mm. because if you you would want to have individuals who are well balanced they have iq and eq our educational mm. system is 99.9 you know focused on iq mm-hmm. and uh, although they do understand the value of eq it's not a convenient um uh, direction to pursue because every individual is different uh, yeah could you kindly tell us uh, for, for the view, uh, listeners what is the difference between an iq and an eq please Right. So IQ is your your formal intelligence, basically what people uh, call call smart, yep. like book smart. You are going to be a good performer in school. You are going to get good grades. You mm-hmm. are going to understand math and you are going to be the best in chemistry. <laughs> You're going to, you know, like you are good. You're that, you know, kid who can nail it. Mm-hmm. Now, EQ is emotional intelligence. And this mm-hmm. is an area where, you know, everybody is involved. We all uh, need to to get a high mark in EQ if we want to be happy in life. And that's uh, one, I'll give you an example. One example is to be able to relate to others, to be able to relate to, to in a healthy way and positive way with others. That would be um, you can understand them and you can feel them, not understand them intellectually um, because we're not robots here right so you have Mm. to be able to feel the other one and i'll give you an example one child who has a low eq is not going to understand when somebody next to 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 them is suffering or Mm. they're not going to to perceive the extent the extent to to which you know the other one is is suffering um a kid who's who has a high level of EQ, emotional intelligence, without even questioning, they would have that sensor, you know, picking up on the vibe. Mm. They know that somebody is not okay. They do get mm. the energy, if you want. They they kind of, you know, they're, they're perceptive. Perceptive. Mm. Um, that is, you know, the base of a healthy relationship because everybody wants to be understood. Everybody mm. needs somebody to, you know, to, to feel that, you know, I'm with you. I understand you. If you mm. cannot relate emotionally to somebody else, it, it, that cannot create a relationship at all. It could be, you right. know, you can work with somebody, but even that has limits. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. So okay. that would be the difference between IQ and EQ. And going mm. back to your question, um, what we can do in schools today and what I think the, the big problem is, is that we don't even have eyes for that. And I'm not sure the interest of our society today globally is to develop um, highly emotionally intelligent individuals. Hmm. Um, but I'm not going to go into that. All I want to, to tell you is that, you know, there are attempts. I mean, people do know that this is a, a, a useful aspect. And obviously, when you're not happy, after you've been, you know, first the top of your class all your life, mm. and mm. Uh, you're a brilliant scientist, and you're unhappy, and you commit suicide at 35, you know, <laughs> that's it. Mm. Of okay, course, what, yeah. did, what did school do for you? Mm. Like nothing. What did school do for you? And the problem is that EQ is developed in schools, but is developed mm. as, at home as well. Yep. But your parents have been through the same system. 
they've been living oh. in the same society. They cannot mm. teach you what they don't know themselves. That's true. And then we need to break that, you know, uh, cycle. And we need to, to create mm. an opening so that something new can come in. Um, and that starts with trust. Trusting, mm. you know, that these kids know better than you, which is not something that our system encourages. We teach them. No. It's not that they are going to teach us, but the problem is that at this point, humanity really needs you know, these kids to teach us something we don't know anymore. And now I'm going to give you a, a, an example of you know, what's happening here in, in, in the area of Canada where I am. And I, I mm -hmm. see that you know, school is really trying to introduce uh, you know, this type of attention to that side of ourselves that needs to, to be more relevant in our life. Mm. So uh, my son is in second grade and uh, he's got um, um, a project on, um, on uh, empathy. So oh. at seven, they are taught about that, right? Which is, I think, very good, very healthy. Mm, they are also absolutely. taught about how to recognize emotions. That's even in daycare, but, you know, like kindergarten, they do that early on. Now, with the COVID type of uh, isolation situation, uh, obviously mm. people are more anxious and every school is trying to care to their own students. And the way they can, the way, you know, everybody has limits. Obviously, we're talking about these individuals that were, you know, raised in this society. So, so school is trying to now send this uh, uh, message to schools. Um, schools mm. to, to the kids and they say okay um, you need to relax you need to be able to you know event if you want because obviously mm. everybody is building up that you know inner anxiety at this point you're right um, and uh, now I'm thinking they taught them empathy and this really is a good thing now is the, the, the time to apply what you learned now is the time to understand that everybody around you is suffering from that now is the time to find a way to channel out whatever you bottled up inside, right? Mm. And then I get this other letter from my, my daughter's school. She's a teen, so she's 14. She's in high right. school. Right. And the, the school says, uh, uh, because of the fact that we have so much uh, material that we need to cover and it's online and we are not prepared to handle that much, we decided to focus on only on the main, like the most important topics. Yeah. yeah. And guess what that was? Physics, chemistry, maths, biology. Pretty much so. So it was wow. math and French because that's their language, right? It's French wow. school. So what happened to empathy lesson? Hmm. You see what I mean? And then I even wrote to the school, not that anybody's going to listen to me right now. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, what happened to you guys? This is a time when you want these people to, to, to keep the balance. Learning is a lifelong project they can mm. go back and cover all that math material in french at any time they're only 14 let me tell you there's a lot of life ahead of them but True. what they need right now they need to be able to handle the situation this is a you know it's an amazing opportunity to teach them how to do that but mm. obviously they don't know like you see they're trying to like they they, they get it but they get it in their head this is another proof that they're good at iq and not eq mm. They think mm. that that IQ type of measure is going to cover and is going to serve them well, you know, mm. uh, you know, as a substitute for EQ. 
to be honest with you, I 100% agree with you on this. But there's a there's a caveat here. There's a there's a bit of a problem here. You know how in IQ with IQ we can test it, right? We uh, mm-hmm. students go through a certain level uh, of education, so they have a year's worth of education, for example, and at the end of the year they have exams. Yes. How do you how do you measure EQ? How do you measure? Mm. How do you test for EQ if you were to teach it? First, uh, first of all, you also have to think about how would you teach it to a child as well. Um, and, and I completely agree with you that this needs to be instilled because I have friends who have who have committed suicide at university because after university they did not think what where their life was going to go and they were too yeah. depressed to think otherwise. So yeah. I completely agree with you that it is important. But if we are to instill a permanent change in the system and encourage emotional intelligence, then we need to have some sort of tests, some sort of boundaries to test for those emotional intelligence. And how do we do that? Uh, first, I don't think uh, there is enough research on it. I mean, there is research, but mm. again, it's not a focus. And I'm not a mm. specialist. I'm not going to recommend anything here. But I'll give you a very simple approach that, you know, every parent and every person can apply to themselves and the family and everybody else. Like how you can sense the other one and how happy are you and whatever happiness is for you. Like how free do you feel to express yourself? Can you? Like if mm. I give you a piece of paper and you and I tell you, draw to me or write if this is your best skill you know how you feel now you know what i think 90 percent of the adults are not going to able to do that Hmm. because we are not even educated to recognize our feelings uh, let alone to express them Hmm. what are you going to measure right now you cannot even like that there's no way to take it out to you you know put a measurement against it like I, I think it's pretty easy. Like when you go home, you have a family, you go home, you are going to feel good with them or not. And there are degrees. And mm-hmm. that's that's very subjective. I don't think EQ, I, of course, there, there could be, you know, um, uh, scales. You can take that into scientific terms. Uh, but what I am more into here is um, your own inner scale. If you do not feel okay, that's your measurement. Mm. And I think, you know, there is benefit in, in um, understanding that everyone is unique and everybody has um, um, an, an unique story and mm. everybody has a unique purpose in the world. Standardization is not very healthy. And, you know, I often say uh, in my practice, uh, because people compare themselves to, to the norm and to the others all mm. the time. <laughs> and I keep on saying, you are unique. You cannot even do that. Imagine that. Um, if you believe in God or somebody up there, you know, whoever created us must have been a smart guy because look at us, you know, um, um, I'm thinking what a boring job to create the same thing all over again. I really don't think that was the plan. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're here, obviously you have something else to say or to say one thing in a unique voice. Of course. And and then standardization doesn't even serve you well. Like your inner scale is going to be the best way to measure um if you're happy or not or how close you are or what's missing but i I don't think the system is designed to make this the student or the child feel happy the system is designed to find out who's more competent at doing a job once they Mm -hmm. grow up 
So, uh, so, so if we were to re, we, we basically need to revamp the whole system. We need to change the whole system. Um, so, uh, from an inherent perspective, how do we actually go about the, and bringing about this positive change that looks at after our kids rather than uh, looking for what we need to get out of them once they grow up? I don't think this is something that's in the you know it's the first interest right now. Because, and mm. I'm going to give you um, a very quick example. Um, I'm a mindset coach. And mm. uh, lately, I, I'm, I'm teaching mindset and business skills for entrepreneurs. Like the first, nice. let's say, 100 days of your, of your business. And uh, there is something that I see all the time. The problem is not the business skills. It's in the mindset. It's in the way they approach. And, and it's something that they are missing right there. There is something that, you know is more and more missing and the example that i want to go back to if you go i don't know back i don't know um, in the 50s or in the 60s you know mm. ask a kid what do you want to be when you grow up 80 percent mm. of them or even more they're going to say i want to have whatever type of business because that was it right now mm. ask the kids and and the default is i want to have that job mm. wow so our our Yes, yes, and this is it because and okay, the, the industry and all that, but the interest right now is to have these kids, you know, be compliant with the idea of a job. It, mm. uh, having your own business is more the exception, but this is only one aspect. The idea is that you want to be, you want them to be compliant with the that profile of you know, uh, you go somewhere and you're told what to do. Mm. And that's why it's very, very difficult for them to have the initiative and to and that's and, and to to express themselves because they are not going to be compliant with the profile. That's not what you know us as educators pass down to them. Mm, All right. they're trying to do is to fit the profile. And like I said, we are unique. Some of us, you know, might be more lucky than others and you know fit mm. better, but some of them would be complete outliers. And what do you do with that? True. And it's unfair, but those people, they have a purpose. They are here in the world because, you know, we need them in, in, in a way, but we'll never get to know because they're trying to be somebody who they're not. Hmm. So and, as and, a system to go back, sorry, just to go back to your no, question, no, I, 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 I think the, the, best, the best first step is to learn, is for everybody to learn as a kid or as an adult, because everybody needs it right now, <laughs> to <laughs> refer to their own inner landscape and to understand balance from an inner point of view rather than, you know, um, comparing themselves to something outside, because mm. that's moving sands. Of course. And, and that's not authentic. So and meditation. Meditation is a very, mm. very good thing to do. Good point. Clarity. We do not teach our kids to have clarity about how they feel and what they do. This is one first thing I do with my, uh, you know, my clients. Mm. They want to start a business, but they have, they have no idea. You will never start anything looking at the market. Yeah, there yeah. are opportunities. Are you the one to take on them? It all starts with you. Who are mm. you? What do you feel like a passion for? How can you mm. serve others? How can you be authentic? And then people are going to connect with you. If you just mm. go, this is not a job, you know, or it, of course. So, so this is one thing that we need to do with, with our kids from young. We need to, to make them understand themselves. 
and their emotions and to communicate and to understand their passions. Um, you, you're probably familiar with that uh, big dilemma that you're out of school and you still don't know what you want to do. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm still, I feel, feel like I'm on this journey where I'm still finding out who I am and I'm 27 years old now. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of envious of some friends of mine who 100% knew what they were going to be or what they wanted to do when they were 12 or 13 years old. I just feel like I'm still finding myself and still finding things in life that I, I want to be excited about. So yeah. I definitely, I definitely feel that way that uh, even when I was 21, 22 years old, I had no idea what I was going to be or where my life was going. My parents are doctors um, and my father is, I'm sorry. And he uh, was always, he, he never really pushed it, but he, he always instilled the idea of uh, becoming a medical professional um, mm-hmm. was, was f- fantastic. So I, I took on science or studying science just because of that and just because I wanted to please my parents but I never really discovered the type of person I was or what 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 triggered me what motivated me what moved me so and that's why I started this uh, this journey to kind of discover myself and also give back to the world whatever I have gained throughout my life as well so and that and you talk about clarity and I, I want to, I want to talk to you more about that. How do I achieve? How do anybody who's listening to you right now achieve clarity? What what kind of questions do they need to ask themselves to be clear as to what their life goal or what their future is going to look like? Yeah. First of all, I think you're doing pretty good. I was uh, 37 <laughs> when I actually understood where where I want to go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So you still have a good 10 years if you want to, you know, keep the score even. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, and uh, yeah, about uh, about clarity. I think this is something that starts with you. If you do mm. not know yourself, you cannot understand what you want. Mm. And um, and uh, it's also going back to exactly to what, what you said. We... Uh, up until the age of seven, we just take over whatever concepts and beliefs we are in contact with. Mm. Um, it's more like a hypnosis type of state. You know, your brain is more like in a theta type of state and everything is going in, it gets registered. And then when, you know, the disc is full, you go and you're an automatic pilot until mm-hmm. maybe if you're lucky enough as an adult, you know, it hits you that, you know what, this is really not me. And then True. the struggle begins. Uh, And many many people, you know, blame because we are taught to look outside, you know, look for the blame outside. Um, And uh, a few actually understand that it all starts with themselves. And um, the idea is that we need to challenge what was instilled in us, like you said. And we all have been through that. It's normal. It's nature. We Mm. have been created this way for the sake of survival and safety. Because if your parents made it to that age that, you know, they had you and you're all still alive, they must have known something. So nature created us to copy the model and to do the same thing so that we are going to be alive. But this is the primate type of of decision. It's going Mm. to keep you alive, all right, but it doesn't guarantee you're going to be happy. Mm. So then, because in our life, we do not only need to survive, we need to thrive. Mm. Now is the time that you are going to take that next step yourself. So that means that you need to go back and challenge what's not serving you. Mm. So for that, in the moment, you are going to, to break all those um, uh, beliefs that Norms. do not fit you exactly. Yeah. You are going to get clarity. But before you do that, and by the way, this could be a, you know, a, a painful process, 
uh, or lengthy process. It's uh, it's a lot easier if you have a guide doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but it's so um, it's so I don't know rewarding because at the end of the day, what you feel is freedom, and it, it's useless to say freedom now. Uh, when you do not know at the beginning of the process because it takes on a completely different meaning having gone through it at the other end. Mm. Is that what and, happened with you at 37? Uh, I cannot say it was a 37 because like I said, it's a it's a process. Mm. <laughs> but it is something <laughs> okay. that happened with me and and my my life story, you know, pushed me there because I, I was forced to challenge what I knew multiple times in my life. Mm. Um, and again, that hurt, but it was the best thing ever to happen to me because if I, because I, I don't think I would have been where I am today if I was not exposed to these differences and I had what, to, what was that, what was that catalyst for change? I mean, what, what got you to the point at 37 that you had realized that I have had enough, I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. I really have to look deep within myself to rediscover who I am and start a new chapter in my life? Uh, many people, I think they call midlife crisis, I think. I don't really know. But uh, <laughs> to me, uh, and, and by the way, I, I, I think that it tends to happen earlier and earlier in life nowadays because life is so much fast-paced. Um, of course. Uh, but um, what it was, you know, it, it's something that happens to everyone, but we have different different ways to deal with it we Mm -hmm. either bury our heads in the sand and like la 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 until it passes (laughs) and you are going to to be pretty much the same but you are going to run from yourself all your life uh or you are going to do like what i did at that point i really felt like i had nothing to lose like i did not feel you know any excitement for my life and i did not feel like i was represented in any way in anything that i was doing mm. um, what were you doing sorry if you don't want me asking what were you doing till 37 i i was actually in business i i have a, an right. mba and i um right. i were i love numbers i love numbers and mm-hmm. i used to work in forecasting and budgeting and snop and and it was it was exciting i cannot say i, mean, I love numbers and that. i'll give you a quick story you know about that Please. in a second and and then at 37 what happened i i really felt like that other side of me that used to make poetry when i was a young kid who used to paint who used to relate you know to the others and to listen to their stories and who felt so mm. much compassion and you know the need to help others and support them was completely misrepresented in what I was doing. And I really felt like I needed to add that side of me to, to the equation. And, um, uh, and going back to, to, you know, I wanted to give you a little story here. Um, when I came to Canada, uh, I was 25 and I came to mm. the French side of Canada. And, nice. um, I, but I, you know, little problem. I was not speaking one word of either English or French, like <laughs> zero. When I say zero, zero, and I would have my phone ring, you know, and like, uh, do I want to pick up really? Because it can only be French or English. And it's all mm. the same to me. It's more like fishes. I have decide? no idea what you guys are saying. What made you pick Canada? Because uh, you told me oh. you're from Romania, all the way from Europe to America. Well, how did that happen? Oh, that was, uh, yeah, because uh, back in Romania, I was working. I was actually doing pretty good. And um, um, one summer vacation, I uh, met my future husband back then. Nice. 
and uh, he was uh, a student. He was Romanian, but a, a student in uh, Canada. Uh, he was doing his master's degree. And when he finished school, he said, okay, uh, okay, let's get married. That was all happy. And then uh, what do you want to do? You're here. I'm there. What do you want to do? And I, I'm thinking, you know what? I know Romania. Let me just try. So, mm-hmm. you know, the worst that can happen, I don't like it. We can get back, right? Right. Not right. <laughs> because what happened <laughs> is that I did immigrate. And then, like I said, I did not know one word of anything. And mm. this world was so different from everything I knew. And it took so much effort to even understand and, you know, adjust and, you know, work with myself to to be able to perform, to be somebody in this world. Like all my studies were not recognized. Uh, but within 10 wow. months, I was admitted to my MBA. Um, the problem is that they test English. That's of the course. big problem. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a lousy score on, on English. You have to believe me, the first time I read one page of, of English took me 10 hours. And I did <laughs> not understand what it was about 10 hours, you know? Like, wow. uh, it was really, really tough. But, so you guys don't uh, study any English in Romania? Zero English? Uh, no, okay. Now I have to give you the other side of my story. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll finish with the with the MBA. I got in because my very high score in math, and they probably thought, nice. you know, okay, she has potential. Go ahead, but it was really, really, really hard. Mm. And also my first job and everything. And when I looked back and I said I paid so much, I'm not gonna go back. So that I continued, and the, you know. uh, so my experience is coming from uh, communist Romania. Uh, school system wow where um, uh, obviously the borders were closed and um, you were not allowed to leave the country uh, mm. some people escaped most of them got shot but you know some people did escape and uh, the idea was that even if you ever cross that border alive you are not able to to manage it you cannot communicate you cannot say what what what's inside you know of course and uh, we would know lots of grammar that didn't help you much when you want a piece of bread, right? Of course. And, uh, and mind you, what I did in school was uh, German and French. Okay. Wow. Okay. But uh, again, so you did know a bit of French. No, because if I tell <laughs> you what that French was sounding like in, in my school, you would laugh for days. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And it, I'm telling you, it's a, it was a joke. That was not something that was taken seriously at all. And okay. uh, it was pretty much the same idea. You you are going to study Romanian and math because that's your future, and everything else did not matter. So uh, when I when I got to Canada, it was okay. Well, what am I gonna do other than speaking with my hands? You know. Hmm. <laughs> and I think it's probably karma because now I have to also speak uh, French. My kids go to French school, and all of that course. homework, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's good. I like challenges. So um, um, now because we got into my story, I have to tell you, you know, the, that it's a blessing. I find it's a blessing that I've been through so many ways of, um, of education, formal education. Uh, the mm. way communist Romania was, you know, understanding to teach the kids. Um, and then um, and independence and uh, all those, you know, uh, human skills, if you want. Uh, of course the idea of uh, relationships and uh, emotion and and you being a, an individual um, 
and that's a huge, huge challenge because when you grow up in um, in a system that doesn't want you to stand out, they just want you to be a very small piece of a huge puzzle. Mm. You are not even aware of the fact that you have a voice. True. Uh, my transition to uh, uh, to Canada was very painful because I had to stand out for myself and I had no idea how to do that. Wow. And um, and that's a you know the culture clash you you learn it's it's painful again but it's eye opening and I I find it's a blessing because I learned so much about us as humans and I have so much understanding and compassion for everybody who goes through transitions mm. that you know have that type of of uh, emotional impact um, and I was reading a, a book on on business these days and uh, by an American author. And she was arguing that, um, remember how, you know, as a kid, you were told that you could do everything, that you're shiny, you're round, you're cute, you're everything. Mm -hmm. And then you get into the, you know, the world of business and you all of a sudden, you know, see that it's not that. Well, Mm. you are not so round and shiny and beautiful. And I'm thinking, you see how biased we can be by our Mm. backgrounds, because I have the exact, exact opposite experience. I was What's told I was no one. Oh, the book is called, I can tell you, it's by Suzanne Evans. Suzanne Evans, okay. Yeah. And I can actually tell you in a second because I have it on my Kindle. No problem. <laughs> uh, it's, I think it's uh, something like the way you do one thing, you do everything or something like that. Yeah. Um I think it's something like that. Yeah, I I, I can nice. check again. Oh yeah, it's the way you do anything is the way you do, the ev- way you everything. do everything. Yeah, everything. yeah. Uh, she's a very smart lady. I love her. She's cool. very a very good uh, business coach, by the way. But I was thinking, you know, like she's talking, uh, she's talking about um, the formative years in a system, and I was just another human being on the other side of the world, having the opposite experience as a kid. But you know what? Where she's right with this is that mm-hmm. what you were taught as a kid is not necessarily true. And mm-hmm. when you get to face the, you know, the adult reality, it's just the same type of emotional impact. Of course. And uh, that was very valuable. And, and going back to education and formal education and what we teach our kids, um, it's very funny that we relate so much to our very close community, but we have little knowledge about what's happening elsewhere in the world. Mm. Because in America, you will see lots of references, and obviously this is where we live and it makes sense, about this, you know, 300 and something million people who live in North America, right? Yeah. In Europe, where I grew up, history was all about Europe and all that. And it's fascinating and everything. But put North America and Europe together and compared to Asia, it's still nothing. It's a small fraction. Mm. And nobody told us about everything else, you know. <laughs> and, and you forget to relate to, you know, the larger picture. Mm. You know, history is not only about Europe. And business is not only about America. And do you understand? Like all that mindset is kind of, um, 
it's too tight. It becomes narrow. It's not your size anymore. You need to understand that there's so much more in life. And that is, um, um, in a way, it's uncomfortable because you lose your standards. You don't know where to hold on to, you know, what mm. to hold on to. On the other hand, it's giving you so much more perspective. True. And uh, it's, it's giving you, you know, the chance to question what you know um, and, and to, to grow. To, mm. to, accept and to accept that there's so much more that it could be just as valid as your own systems. True. And, then, and, and that is going to develop compassion and understanding. And this is one thing we know for, to teach, we, we need to, to teach our kids and for us to, I, to, to, to learn ourselves. And here in Canada, because Canada is more of a, you know, a, of a, a mix, a, a, a mixed bag, if you want, of everything. All the mm. nations, you know, gather here. Of course. Um, it's in my street. I think we have, I don't know, maybe like seven, eight uh, the different, you know, cultures. Mm. Um, if I did not have that, I would not understand how mm. to deeply respect different cultures. Mm. Back True. in Romania, it was just Romanians, and everybody mm. else was bad by default because it's not like us, you know. <laughs> Yeah, you, I mean, a lot of this is shaped by the media as well. I mean, the ty- type of TV you watch, you'll always see news being sensationalized about certain region or certain type of people. So you'll always demonized. Um, and that's where this whole uh, thing of indoctrination comes into place, doesn't it? And that's why people become uh, prejudiced against a certain group of people as well. So I completely understand that this... Uh, this menta- where this mentality comes from and i'm glad that we're moving towards a society now that we are more and more connected to t- today um even if uh, i don't have anybody from romania living on my street i can still speak to a romanian on mm-hmm. using a podcast for example you know <laughs> like with you mm-hmm. so i get to understand different cultures and different um ways just by the means of social media so i think future is bright uh, for, for for even from an education perspective as well, I see future being like you say that in Canada today, um, a lot of the students like your your son is learning about uh, empathy at school. Mm-hmm. So it, it 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 indicates to me that ten or twenty years from now, um, there'll be a right balance between IQ and EQ in school, and uh, people will become more tolerant and people will become more accepting of other religions, other ethnicities, and will become a much more integrated and uh, and a happier society overall, I think. Do you absolutely, agree with that? And absolutely. And you know what? It's something so beautiful like uh, that I witnessed here, and I'm so happy that my kids, you know, had the chance to actually go through this experience. Uh, both my kids are very blonde, blue, and green-eyed. <laughs> you know, very yeah. like, you know, like very light. Their best right. friends, their, their best friends from like, uh, like daycare, like they, they, they were in daycare from six months and 10 months and their best friends, like BFF type of thing, you know, mm-hmm. were black kids, beautiful mm-hmm. kids. And they had no idea they were different. They always got along such a, it's such a beautiful way. And they have friends mm-hmm. in like, again, like I told you on our street, there are so many cultures and they mm-hmm. don't know the difference. They don't understand what the difference is. They don't get it for them that, that, you know, you pray to a different God means nothing. Mm, true. It's, it's a beautiful place to, uh, you know, to raise your kids in that universal spirit of, you know, uh, mm. understanding and uh, embracing other cultures. Wow. 
Wow. So refreshing to see, I must say, um, because obviously I live in the UK and we we also have a, especially first world as well, we are, uh, we are becoming extremely integrated. I think um, when you move towards um, cultures that aren't as integrated, this is a problem that yeah. will still persist for a very, very long time. How do you think that we should, it, uh, do you think that it's our responsibility as living, as immigrants, for example, living in this first world countries like Canada, like UK, to go back and educate people from our backgrounds and let them know that that their preconceived notions of different ethnicities and religions is 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 not correct entirely. Do you, do you, do you think that it's our responsibility to do that or no? I can tell you one thing. It is our responsibility to not make an issue of these differences, out of these differences for generations growing up and witnessing mm. this. Mm. Because they are going to fix it. Now, mm. uh, about mm. educating the others, I have to go back one step here and tell you one thing. Uh, education is not a priority on anybody's list. And my argument for that, it's true. It's true. They, they right. maybe want to learn, but I'm going to tell you, in, like, even learning, not in the formal way. Because if, if people wanted to, to be educated, textbooks would be bestsellers. True. They're not. Okay? Hmm. What people want and the way they learn, and this is a big, big, you know, lesson for our educational systems everywhere. People want experience. And this is how they learn. Mm. And even if you look into neuroscience, you'll see that people learn, they, they attach meaning to information through their own emotions. They are mm. going to stick to them if they have emotional charge. Mm. Uh, so then if you want to go, and there, there's another aspect, and I'm talking this in the context of us going back and, and teaching others, educating about these uh, cultural differences and uh, racism and uh, religions and everything. Um, people have their own beliefs. Hmm. And, you know, up to the age of seven, like we said, and then they were like cemented by, you know, their own experiences. And um, life is going to give you a set of, of events but the way human nature, nature works is you are going to pick the meaning that fits your beliefs. Hmm. This is a quick experiment to show you that. If, you, if I tell you this, um, I'll give you 10 seconds, look around <laughs> and, okay. uh, and, and tell me how many red objects you can identify. Okay, so start now. Okay, okay. I think I'm already done. My, okay. my room is quite two. Okay. So now my question actually for you, you know what it is at the end of this 10 seconds, how many brown, brown objects did you see? None, because I was only trying to look for red. There you go. That's how people work. When you believe in something, you cannot see anything else because that's what's going to keep your filters open. You have channels mm. open for a, a certain type of information. That's going to fit into you what, what you believe in because that's, mm. in the end, your identity. You know, you cannot threaten that. It's, of course. It defines you, okay? And you are going to find arguments for what you believe all your life. Mm. And it also makes sense because, you know, this is our conscious mind. The subconscious mind has such a huge, like, 500,000 uh, times more capacity to store information. And then, yep. you know, what's the criteria to let in only what's 
what what you want or what's useful to you and this is the criteria mm. whatever fits you know and makes me you know survive and go on a species it, it mm. has you know that there is you know a theory that you know is going to back it up but the thing is that all those people who do not believe in equality uh, are not going to be easily convinced by arguments actually they're not going to <laughs> be convinced by arguments you know? mm. <laughs> because everything they see in the world is what feeds their own belief. So do you think that racism and um, and prejudice in this world of any kind, um, uh, like anti-Semitism or Islamophobia um, or any, any, any sort of hatred, do you think that will always remain here then? It will never go no. away? No. And I think today, this is our chance to actually shift that around. And I think it's a, it's a huge, it's a huge opportunity for us. Uh, because and again, I learned that um, here where I am, um, I have friends of every ethnicity you can name, I think, and they're beautiful people, and that's all I know about them, you know. Mm. But it's experience. What it takes is again, first of all, to let one generation grow up thinking that this is not an issue, of course. Um, and then, you know, because and also, you need to pick your battles. Uh, mm. arguments are not going to do the trick with those who are already enraged. Of what course. you can do, though, you know, and, okay, that's probably not pertinent to the topic, but I, 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 I think you should even... The best thing we can do is not to feed their beliefs right now, because media is very good at doing that. Mm. And like I said, human brain is going to look for arguments for what they believe already, and it's it's an easy, you know, is going to feed them going forward thinking the same way. Uh, but the best bet is to, to let this generation, you know, um, grow up um, in, a, in an open-minded type of uh, environment. But mm. that's not only, you know, in Canada, but I think it should be everywhere. As long as, you know, you grow up in a family um, that doesn't, uh, you know, um, indoctrinate you. With these limiting ideas, you're good. Um, I think it's a it's a, a the educational system has a good role here because okay, kids have a family, they go home, they listen to something, but they get to to see a different type of opinion in school, and also they spend so many hours in school and they have friends of so many colors and religions that you know if they hear something against that at home, uh, they have the chance to challenge it. Hmm. And that goes back to experience. I think we need, you know, an open world and, and kids need to, uh, to get in touch and they need to understand that we're no different no matter where we are. Um, Fascinating. And, Fascinating. And I think, yeah, it, it's, 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 a good, it's a good time for that because uh, we have internet. Basically, mm. we have access to everybody everywhere in the world. We can use it that True. way too. True. Wow. And, and, and uh, those people who already believe that way, you know what, the best, and, and this is another trick, it's very uh, useful in, in relationships too. Um, first of all, what we can do about that is not to blame them. Hmm. And at some point, I remember that was a very nice situation. It was a, a Mother Teresa, and she was hmm. asked to participate in a march against war. And she said, I'm not going to go to any march against anything. If ever you come and call me for a march for peace, then I'll join. Mm. Mm. And the point is that as long as you fight against something, 
you are going to perpetuate the same type of negative experience and mm. uh, energy. It's like a play of ball. I throw the ball to you, you pick it up, you throw it back to me. Mm. And we are going to keep it going. But if I, if I throw the ball at you and you do not pick it up, okay, I'm going to go, I'll pick it up and throw it again. But how many mm. times am I going to do that? I'm going to decide eventually that you're no fun to play with, mm. right? True. And that's one thing we can do. We can stop feeding them and we can stop looking at them with, with uh, you know, endless understanding and compassion because mm. it is not their fault. If True. we keep on thinking like they do, you know, it's your fault because of whatever, we are going to, to keep the, the play of ball going. What we can do is that, look, I do understand where you're coming from. And I think it's okay. It's okay to be whichever way you are. It's another way of acceptance. And that's going to, you know, uh, relax the tension between the two entities that the, the mm. play of ball is going to just end. And everybody wow. you know, is allowed to believe whatever they want to believe. But I don't have to, to keep, you know, the tension going. True. Very true. Um, before um, the start of uh, the podcast, you and I were talking about the marshmallow spaghetti experiment. Yeah. Could you kindly tell us, the, the listeners, what that is, please? Oh, this is something that uh, is used in uh, many circumstances. It's... Um... So uh, kids, people are given, you know, a a few items. It's basically Mm -hmm. marshmallows and uh, hard spaghetti. (laughs) Uh, And uh, they are told to build the highest structure they can actually build. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, one experiment that I really liked about this was happening uh, not necessarily in school. It was different categories. And uh, uh, they had 18 minutes. They had to build the highest mm. building possible they could, you know, do in, in 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. And they had four categories. Um, the lowest actually at the bottom that performed the least, surprisingly, was engineers. Mm. Why? Yes, because they had too many plans and they projected so precisely that by the end of the plan, they had no time to execute. Uh, wow. then, then the third one was actually lawyers. Because they argued so much, and it sounds more like a joke, but it's actually <laughs> true, you know. <laughs> of course. Yeah, they wow. argued so much, you know, about how to do these things that, again, they did not really do anything practically. Hmm. The second one, uh, which was actually, uh, you know, in a way it's reassuring, was a category, you know, in business called CEOs. And yep. that's actually good because, you know, we need those people to perform, you know, well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the first category, it was a huge gap between, you know, mm-hmm. the, the bottom three and the first one, way ahead mm-hmm. of everybody. Guess who? Business kindergarten owners? kids. Kindergarten oh, wow. kids. Oh, wow. Wow. You know why? Because they took the action. They did, they, they did not think about it and they did not waste any time. Yes, because they, they were not taught yet what is not possible. Hmm. Wow. And that's where we need to find our solutions for everything so, so, happening in the world today. Uh, the lesson I got from this experiment is that there's now obviously we a lot of us are a lot of us all of us are not kindergarten kids. Well, I can show you 100% of the people listening to this are not kindergarten kids. <laughs> so, so 
So how do we unlearn what we've mm. already learned so that we can build our own taller structures? First of all, you, you need to want to. Okay. Mm. And mm. Uh, then you need to accept that some of your beliefs are not serving you well today. Mm. And then um, I'll tell you that everything starts with a thought. Now as a mindset coach, you know, it's a, that's my specialty. I, I love talking about it. <laughs> Of course. You'll have to stop me at some point. But anyway. No, no, that's no, fine. I'm enjoying this. The, the chain goes like this. Everything starts with a thought. Uh, and an average person has between 60 and 80,000 thoughts in a day. That's a lot. Mm. How mm. many do you know? Uh, maybe close to zero because nobody taught us how to keep track of that. And mm. some of them are good for us. Some of them are not good for us. Actually, mm. 80% um, of our thoughts... 90% of our thoughts today, it's exactly what we thought of yesterday. So they're repetitive. <laughs> yes. 80% of all the thoughts we think are negative because we are wired that way mm. to look for danger mm. as a species. True. So think about it. 80%. Only if you knew your thoughts, you would be able to identify them and then mm. switch to something that's a lot better for you. True. So this is just to prove to you what is the value of actually being conscious of what you're thinking, which is an exercise. Mm. That's what we do. Like in my practice, this is where I start with everything. But everything starts with a thought. Like when you want to challenge yourself and you want to, you know, uh, uh, disrupt that automatic pilot that's driving you. Mm. Out of that thought, you are going to make a decision. And this is based on recent neuroscience. So... Uh, from that thought is going to, to come a decision. That decision is going to push you into action. Mm. That action is going to create an experience. And that experience is going to feel like an emotion. Based mm. on that emotion, you are going to go back into a thought. Mm. If your thought was negative, which 80% of them are, right? Yeah, yeah. Your decision many times is going to be not to go do something. Mm. And your action is going to... I don't know, protect yourself, be defensive, or not take any type of step forward. That mm. is going to create an experience. First of all, that experience is not going to be um, creative, or it's not going to be forward-looking, and it's not going to be rewarding for yourself. Your emotion coming out of that experience is not going to be a positive one. When you are based in a negative emotion, what kind of thought is, is going to come to your mind? Not a positive one. And mm. then you go all over again. So the first step to actually break the cycle is to be to become conscious, aware of your thoughts. And there is a way to do that. Okay, um, and and it's not easy, mm. but this is how you start. And in the moment, I'll, I'll give you this challenge to all your audience: try mm -hmm. for like one week to mm -hmm. to write down five thoughts you had today. Okay. So at, at the end of the week, just look at those and see what the vibe is that comes with them. Mm -hmm. And then pick the one that you see, maybe you have a pattern there, you know, maybe you see one repeating. Mm. That's something probably important to you. Is it good? Is it bad? If it's not good, write it down exactly how it's coming to you. And next mm. week, write what else would I, would I rather think than this one? True. Every time you become aware, because that thought is probably circulating in your brain many, 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 many times every day. But every time you catch it, switch. Every time you catch it, switch. The more you switch, 
the more you interrupt that automatic pattern. Hmm. The more you interrupt it, the more you disrupt it. The more you so disrupt it, the you more say, you make room. When you say switch, what should you be switching to? The thoughts that you actually want to think. Hmm. Okay. So, so if I say, thinking. yes, actively think, that's exactly it. Conscious thinking. So, mm-hmm. because you know what, if you let that thought go through, it's going to push you into that cycle again. It's a yeah. downward spiral. Mm-hmm. But if you stop it at the beginning, you initiate an upward spiral. So the more you disrupt that type of automatic pilot programming, you know, the more you make room for something that you consciously plant in. And that's how you are actually changing, you know, all, all your beliefs. That's how, like, the moment you think, you know, wow, uh, black people are, I don't know, I don't even know what, what they say about black people. I, I don't know, something. Are, I, I don't even know, sorry, but I, I'm really not into that at all. <laughs> are, are something. They're, they're not white, you know. <laughs> that's all I know about them. <laughs> okay, what would I rather think about them? No, let's pick something. I don't know. They, they are, uh, I don't know lazy i'm just picking something i have no idea what people say about okay Uh, okay Uh, but rather than that i would say they are hard-working people they are trying to make an honest living every time i get that into my head stop there and then you switch you know with time you are going to look at those people in a completely different way you are giving yourself a chance to relate to them in a different way you are going to dissolve that tension, you know, but you have to want it. And, and you have to understand how bad that negative thought at the beginning was so bad for you first, because you can experiment this. When you put your thoughts on that piece of paper, just think of how you feel when you think them. When I, when I think like this, I feel like that. But then you go to the opposite thought and you say, okay, when I think like this, how do I feel? How would I rather feel? Hmm. Well, um, whenever I think of a thought, my brain automatically looks for evidence to support that thought. So mm-hmm. if you we use your example of uh, black people being lazy, mm-hmm. um, that uh, stereotype, which you're talking about, is mm-hmm. manifested by the media. So yes. if, if somebody um, watches anti-black rhetoric on TV... Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and 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 see black people being lazy on TV, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, he will, if he thinks, if that t- thought at another point manifests in his mind that black people are lazy, as soon as he thinks that, he's going to start imagining that TV show that he watched where black people were being lazy or were smoking weed, for example, or mm-hmm. any any of that, any any of those stereotypes, basically. So so how how would he? tell himself actively that no i'm thinking this is the wrong way of thinking and they are not lazy and they're hard-working people because he has no evidence from his point from his mm-hmm. mind he has no evidence to support that thought yes we are going back to what we said before what mm. you see outside is what you want to see it's the mm. red objects versus brown objects mm. okay, okay? and point. and 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 you may have um only red objects, you know, and only brown objects. And, and if there's mm. not something you look for, you're going to say there's nothing out there. You need to know the moment that comes to you, it's normal. 
that's what you have to work with. That's where you need to create room for more for you to mm. see. It's absolutely normal. And there's another thing now. It's another trick about how our brain works. Uh, when, when you see something new, so in front of newness, our system, what it tries to do is to keep us safe and, and to keep us in survival, basically. So mm. our primate, you know, the critter brain is going yeah. to decide if it is safe or not. If we thought that all the way to this age and we are alive, this is safe. That's the only criteria. Makes you unhappy, makes others unhappy. It doesn't matter. If I am alive today, my critter brain is going to decide if it's safe to think it. Then mm. the next step in your brain is going to be how do I react to this? If it's safe, it's going to go through. If it is not safe, it's going to be a flight, fight, or freeze. And then only in the third step of, of your thought process, you are going to have logic involved. And that is going, you know, seeing the, the red objects versus the brown objects. That is mm. going, that third, you know, step of the process is going to bring you all the logical arguments why the decision you already have made is correct. So as long as you understand how your brain works, you, you need to know that you are, you are not actually allowing yourself to see more than what you were, you know, programmed to at this point. But this is, you have to trust yourself that, you know, practicing, uh, you know, this openness, um, it's, it's called metacognition, looking at your thoughts and understanding mm. your thoughts from an ob observation type of, uh, of position. Uh, the more you do that, the more you are going to give yourself the chance to see more than you've seen before. It's not That's seeing is believing, is believing is seeing. Wow. Fascinating. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This has been a fantastic uh, opportunity for me to really learn and understand a different way of thinking and different perspective. And uh, I 100% agree with uh, all what you've said, especially about emotional intelligence and how we can reframe and reshape our mm -hmm. brain into do more positive work in the world. So invaluable. And I'd love to have you on again. And uh, oh, lovely speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And thank you for the chance, you know, to, to Always speak a pleasure. passionately Always about a pleasure. What, I, oh, what I really believe course. in. Of course. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. You too. Bye. This was Vital Educators Podcast by Ahmed Saki. Hope you enjoyed. Please follow or subscribe for more content every week.